But the the paragraph is the last Blazers player to record a triple double is Nicholas Batum, who had 14 points, 10 rebounds, and 14 assists against Orlando in January of 2014. A drought that players believe Plumley will end this season. Imagine it being the 2016 Blazers and everyone's looking around the roster being like, if there's one guy who's going to get a triple double this year, it's Mason Blumley. <laughs> Do you know what the other most whack thing of today was? It's not that TJ McConnell got a triple double with 10 steals. It's that TJ McConnell got 13 assists and that's not a career high. Oh, wow. Damn. I, I, saw eight for eight. I saw it on the NBA Instagram and I was like, how the fuck has he kind of had more than 13 assists before? <laughs> he has that, that was like the ultimate teammate triple double. No misses. Yeah. 10 steals. Like a yeah. steal. That's the, you completely stop the possession. Someone messaged me this morning and there was like Dennis Smith Jr. Was was one of you guys Dennis Smith Jr. triple double alert or maybe someone else? And then I was like, okay, right. I, I would have liked to have researched this, but what's the what's what is the triple double with the lowest field goals made? Because Dennis Smith shot three of nine from the field and got a triple double. And I want to figure out, is that like the worst triple double of all time? <laughs> Westbrook had to have a two make, two make triple double. Sure. Yeah, true. One of them. True. No, no, 100%. That, 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 that would be it. That would be it. Yeah. So I was like, Dennis Smith Jr. And I was like, fuck, like, wow. And then I was like, hold on. Doesn't count if you shoot 33%. <laughs> um, and that was that the first double triple double? Have... No, there was... Uh, they'd mentioned it was like the first double triple double since LeBronzo. I'm sure it was like fucking. Uh... Does Westbrook's count as two teammates getting two triple doubles in the same game? Surely, <laughs> surely. They become the second pair of Pistons teammates to each record a triple double in the same game. So they're not oh, even wow. just in the league. Second pair of Pistons teammates. Um. I've, I've hit record as soon as Dante read the penultimate sentence. I started recording. So, do you just want to keep going with this and just sort of slide into it? Yeah, sure. All right. So, start of the meeting. Uh, let's just go through the apologies. So, <laughs> Alessio Conte will not be joining us for this episode of the four man wave. It will be a three man wave, which means more running from the three of us, but that's all right. <laughs> now we all need to lose the cuddles. Um, Lucas, what are we going to be talking about today? Um, I'm actually going to do that thing where you time the three-man weave so you always get to shoot it. But today we're going to um, – that's actually a really good question. I never have the dock. I actually don't even have the dock open at all. So, oh, Dante, what are we doing today? Here's one I prepared earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are going to be talking about the Hawks firing Lloyd Pierce, whether it was the right decision or not. Uh, and Sean's going to take a little bit of a victory lap. We're going to talk about the Celtics making trades or not making trades. We're going to talk about two-way contracts. And then we're actually, we're probably going to lead with the All-Star break because that's the juicy stuff. So the All-Star break is coming up after tomorrow. By the time you're listening to this, it's probably going to be the next day. We're going to talk about what needs to fix to change, to make it better. We're going to talk about what we would do to make it better. Uh, and then just sort of probably give our tips on who's going to win all the little awards. And uh, I don't think we're going to give our tips on who's going to win the game. Uh, the teams aren't even set, but... Let's let's not talk about the actual game. Let's talk about everything around it. So, Dante, what would you like to touch on first? I want to talk about the dunk contest. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I never would have the... thought I would have heard that come out of your mouth. <laughs> I yeah, want to talk about the dunk contest. Yeah, I know. That's how you know it has to be bad for me to be like actually wanting to talk about it. <laughs> okay. So, I just want to get it off the top. 
Apologies to the three contestants, bench guy, bench guy, and bench guy. <laughs> so it's it's Obi Toppin, it's Anthony Simons, and it's two-way player from the Indiana Pacers who has appeared in eight games this season, Cassius Stanley, who, if you Google Cassius Stanley stats, a college basketball website comes up before basketball reference because he has such little... Such a little, uh, you know, acumen in the NBA. And I have two main gripes. Number one, why is there only three dudes? It's always four dudes. And number one, why is it these three dudes? <laughs> well, did you see the report? The did you see the report that they invited Zion and Jalen Brown and, and all these people, but they declined it? So I think they're actually still looking for a fourth contestant, but that probably says something <laughs> like two-way and literally no one else has said yes. Only three willing contestants. They were like, Jalen Brown said no. Like, all right, guys, pivot to plan B. Catch a Stanley in. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to know? Do you want to know the combined minutes per game that, sorry, the combined points per game that Toppin, Sinens, and Stanley have this season? Love to. <laughs> Sub 14, 14 oh. combined points per game. Damn. That's seven how, dunks. How many of them, uh, how many of them are Obi Toppin? Not, not as many as you would think. Only 4.7. Simons is the guy that's, that's carrying it. Anthony Simons, you know, like the, he's like the guy that never hit puberty in that he's, <laughs> you're just waiting for it. Like every summer, he's like, this is the year. This is the year he's going to break out and really become that third guard in Portland. And every year it's just like, you know, false start, false start. Yeah, it uh, makes it it makes it worse that on all the NBA social media profiles right now, they're just sharing all highlights of all star games past. So like there's the game, but then there's also like the Vince Carter dunks, the Michael Jordan dunks, the Levine versus Gordon. They're showing all these, and it's like I wouldn't hype people up too much. We're about to see one <laughs> of the three Cassius who got drafted in the second round. Dunk. Yeah. Well, the issue with the issue with uh you know with showing highlights of of these guys is that if you want to uh. If you want to show an Obi Toppin highlight, you you have choice of any of his thirty-seven successful two-point baskets this season. <laughs> <laughs> and with with Cassius Stanley, you have the choice of any of his one successful two-point baskets this season. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's got to be a <laughs> least field goals made to dunk contests uh, participated in yeah surely field goals to dunk contest ratio is not good one-to-one <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah geez man. um building off that um the actual highlight that the actual nba instagram page shared for promoting obi top and getting in was a dunk that he did in the preseason where he was oh, yeah. 20 minutes a game it's it's grim would you guys like would you guys love to see jeremy evans join this list <laughs> i mean at least jeremy evans at least jeremy evans has made 40 field goals in the nba you know? <laughs> <laughs> who would yeah. be a fourth guy i'll get four new guys but the one dude who the one dude who i just really want to see because i think he's like probably outside of levine the best in-game dunker i would really love to see spider mitchell in there again uh, but I don't think you'll. I don't think you'll ever do it again because he, he won a couple of years ago. So it's like, why would you? You know, what have you got to prove? But he he's just like ferocious as an in-game dunker. Well, Lucas, who's your pick to to save this dunk contest? I got three. One's a funny one. I just think we should put Roko in the dunk contest as well because it's like I've never seen him do anything skills wise, and I've also <laughs> never seen him dunk. So why, why don't we why don't we find out what he can do? And then my for real one is Mo Wagner. 
I would love to see Mo Wagner in the dunk contest. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's the thing. Because I feel like he's, his departure from the NBA is inevitable. And I feel like that's really going to be the full stop on it. Sean, he's not getting minutes on the Wizards. <laughs> I love him. I love him to death. But he's not getting minutes on the Wizards. I don't know if he's getting minutes elsewhere. He, and then my 15th best backup center, but keep going. <laughs> um, and then my, my idea is every season you bring in an ex NBA player that's still active overseas. And this season I bring back Marshawn Brooks. Yeah. Marshawn Brooks was also really good at 2k. So there's you've got unreal, unreal. <laughs> Wait, do you say Marshawn or Dylan Brooks? No, Dylan's in the league still. Isn't I know, he? I know, I know. There's, there was just that trade. Um, oh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a, James, a good one. That's a James Jones deep cut. That <laughs> <laughs> so my my fix is actually quite similar to that, Lucas. My one dude that I would bring in isn't in the league either, and that's DJ Stevens. Do you guys remember him? Summer league standout for the Memphis Grizzlies in 2016. He didn't actually. He made two NBA rosters, didn't play any minutes, but fuck, I mean, Cassius Stanley's dunking, so does it really? <laughs> this dude, you clearly don't remember because you're giving me nothing with your eyes right now. But he was incredible in summer league and then just never made it to the league for not being good at anything but athleticism, but also some <laughs> off-the-court things that, that didn't really help. Um, if you just, Lucas, I, I think you're searching his name. DJ Stevens has yeah, some Yeah, General, General Stevens. Has some incredible dunks, man. Um, I, I would love to see him there, but he probably has to make an NBA roster for that to happen. Well, mm, I mean, going off what Lucas said, we could bring Marshawn Brooks and Gerald Green back and have just mm. a two-man dunk contest. And they just go, you know, they, they just get to do like eight dunks and it's like, you know, 360 behind the back tomahawk and everyone's like, whoa, like all the four people in the stadium are like, that was crazy. And then like, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, wait, wasn't it? Who, who threw the oop? Was it that, you know, that oop from like 2012 when, when Marshawn was still on the the New Jersey Nets. Did he throw that to Gerald Green? I'm yeah, like, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Am I remember? Like, it was those... No, that, that was, it was those two. Green. Well, God, I mean, that, that is nuts. Bring them <laughs> yeah. back. And they can both play in, like, their Guangdong Tigers uniform or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, have, you, have you guys seen Robert Sacre in, like, this whatever basketball league dunk contest? Oh, oh I you, I no, have, I have. Oh. I have, yeah. 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 yeah, I reckon. Yeah, you could get the you could bring back Robert Zachary maybe next year. <laughs> friend of friend of the pod, Les and I used to um we used to play two K blacktop one on one. This is like circa two thousand and thirteen, and um we would do <laughs> we'd do Bob Sacre and Aaron Gray, who were the two worst players in the league. Aaron Gray, Love Aaron Gray, just fame, <laughs> and we'll play the twenty one, and it's just these dudes who literally like can't move. They've got like thirty three speed and like zero <laughs> agility, and just posing it, posing each other up, and like missing baby hooks time and time again. Because like, I, you know, I, I've undersold it, but like spent <laughs> many a Saturday afternoon doing that. <laughs> This uh, Aaron Gray in a, in a different life could have been Gustavo Ione. Uh, I'm, I'm unfortunately, I only started doing blacktop one on ones this year, but MPJ v Kuzma is just unreal to play on blacktop one on one. Surely MPJ baptizes Kuzma, yeah. Well, yeah, after the last update, <laughs> <laughs> should, we, should we talk through the patch notes from the last 2k update? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I ne- that was nearly a spit take. 
spit take. Um, just letting you know, we've got friend of the pot less who can't join us right now, but is still messaging the group chat. So whatever that means. Um, let's move on to the three-point contest, which will have Jalen Brown, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, Steph Curry, Zach Levine, and Donovan Mitchell. I think if e- any of those dudes, even Steph Curry, joined the dunk contest, that would be better than any of the three already there. But what's uh, what do you want to talk about the three-point contest? Who Who's going to win? And why isn't Marco Bellinelli here? Well, I want to, I want to talk about did Buddy Hill not get an invite? <laughs> Buddy Hill won last year and he's not here. He doesn't shoot enough threes, man. It's based off your um your attempts per game. <laughs> <laughs> got a fifteen attempts per game minimum threshold, buddy. But he didn't clear that fourteen point seven. <laughs> but, but seriously, is, is, isn't that like the you know isn't that the status quo that if you if you you know if you win you get to defend your crown? Surely he would have come back. I don't know. Like, what's he going to do? Because it came out today. Um, I don't know who quote. I don't know who the report was, but who really cares? The thing was that during the Saturday night, after you finish the game, you have to go back to your hotel room and you can't leave at all. Like, there is no celebration going on at all. So, like, if you're not in the game and you didn't get chosen by one of the assistant coaches, then it's like, what's the actual point of going? Because you're not going to go there to like party and talk. And I saw a few Knicks fans on Twitter who were like, oh, guys, comment down below who Julius Randle's going to try and recruit at All-Star Weekend. It's like, dude, he has to go to bed after the game, like maybe <laughs> half an hour of quiet reading. So if you're not invited and you're not in the actual game um, and all of these dudes are in the actual game and they're going to be shooting at halftime, why the hell would you like go out of your way to join unless you're like a two-way player for Indiana? Well, that's what I was going to say, like, about the three-point contest. They're all all-stars. Like, what, what, why, what's, why is this such a high-profile three-point contest? <laughs> I feel like it's... Oh, and you said it's at halftime. Yeah, it's at halftime. So, like, if you're, if you're cold, like, if Steph's cold, he can just put up some shots at halftime, come back, <laughs> and he'll be scorching. Like, someone's going to tweet that, and it's probably going to happen, like, to a tiny degree. But it's like, what's, why would you really come outside of... Um, if you're not actually going to be in the game, because that'll be pretty awkward because yeah. you would have to rock up at halftime and then go back to your hotel room. Well, I mean, like, they're in the lead. None of the dudes in the dunk contest are, are in the game. And for some reason, <laughs> I, mean, we'll, I mean, we'll get to it, but, like, maybe we should just talk about it now. For some reason, Robert Covington is in the skills challenge. He's also not an all-star. And so <laughs> they're, they're, they're flying dudes in, you know. It makes sense to have all people that are in the all-star game, right? They're flying, yeah. you know, they're flying dudes in who don't need to be there. And the only people that they can fly in are the, the three dudes we've discussed. And then they were like, you know who would be, you know, we've got Doncic and Paul, two of the most skilled ball handlers in the NBA. And then for the skill challenge, we've got, we've got Randall, who's averaging like six assists, Sabonis, who's averaging like six assists, and Vooch, who would be averaging six assists if anyone on the Magic could hit a shot. The perfect guy to complement that, that, Quintet is Robert Covington, who I um, I did a bit of digging. Has a one point four assist to turnover ratio this season. <laughs> Skill. Co- Covington's in there because it's going to be like sort of sponsored by HBCU, so historically back college universities. And Covington went to Tennessee State University. And halftime, like the show is going to be performed by uh, musicians from HBCUs. So he's there more of like as a, a PR favor rather than like an assist dude who's going to actually hit the three and pass through the ball. That's so like, he's, he's there not for his 1.4 assists uh, throughout his career. 
Well, I didn't know that, but surely there's a, a dude. Now you seem like a fucking dickhead. <laughs> no, surely there's a dude who went to an HBCU who you, you you equate more with like skill than Robert Covington. Well, Chris Paul is has been wearing the shoes with colors from HBCUs during the bubble. So like, it's not like Chris Paul's like against supporting that cause. So I mean, he's in the game. Is he? Who's going to be in the skills challenge? Actually, who else is in there apart from Covington? Doncic, Randall, Sabonis, Sabonis, and Vooch. Vooch. Um, yeah. I feel like if the league's going with this, like, oh look, we got big guys that can dribble. Why don't you put some of them in the three-point contest as well? Because we got big guys that can shoot, and they can shoot way better than they can dribble. Uh, I've got a fun idea for these three bullfuck things that they do every All Star weekend. <laughs> I reckon. Obviously, this fuck me. <laughs> you understood. You don't it's know. Like, it's like know, dog right? shit, but a little bit edgy. <laughs> um, I reckon. I mean, obviously, this is an unprecedented all-star weekend, but with the skills challenge dunk contest, three-point contest, I reckon you get the pool of players and then on the day you draw out of a hat who does what. (laughs) Oh, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, What, what, so like Rudy Gobert in the three-point contest? Oh my God, I love that. (laughs) I don't make the rules. (laughs) I just suggest them. Oh, sorry, Chris I've got, Paul yeah, versus Steph in the Chris Paul versus Steph in the dunk contest final. Awesome, I've got, awesome. I've got players union on the phone that they'd like to cease and desist this conversation. <laughs> Michelle <laughs> Roberts is not happy. <laughs> Welcome to the pod. Um, that's actually a really good idea. Do you want to hear my idea that would fix the All Star Weekend that has actually already been adopted? Go on, yes, Sean. You completely remove <laughs> the the USA versus World game. Just get rid of it and everything's just a whole lot better and we don't have to waste an hour and a half of our life. And they've done that. And I'm actually more looking forward to the All-Star Weekend because of that. The babies. The babies. The babies. But babies like Luka Doncic and then yeah. someone a little bit better than Jackson Hayes where it's like there's <laughs> those fucking assistant coaches who didn't pick him, the dogs. But yeah the, yeah, the rookie game is pretty awkward. It feels like they're trying <laughs> to be like the All-Star game. Like yeah. looking all fucking... This is just so cool, chilling out. Oh, look at me. I'm emulating LeBron. What LeBron's been doing for the past 15 years in the All-Star game. Sick sick one-handed uh, alley to myself off the backboard, 180 to 182. Uh, were you, Sean, did you say they're not doing it? They're not doing it. They announced the teams, but they're not doing it. See, this they're not, okay. actually, they're not actually doing the game. No, just the team. Wow. That's yeah, good. Well, I was, I was looking forward to seeing Facundo Campazzo Throwing Ali to Lou Dort. But this is what they should have done with the All Star game. Not done it. No, but they should have done this with the All Star game. Like if you, like this season, <laughs> yes. it's so red hot to just we it's such a bad idea to just get all these people together. And we know that. We already know that. We already know it's an awful idea. So just choose the yeah, get like being named an all-star is the is the only thing that matters about the all-star game. Yeah. Get them to choose like a high school player or something. <laughs> and then just have all heaps of high school players play against each other. Or just get Representing- the break. Yeah, true. Like just uh, you can't go. Yeah, just don't it. do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh and especially yeah, I feel like today, this is seven also people. Like a bit COVID. Of a, yeah. That's a bad look. I, I feel like I feel like it like, you know, on, on a serious note about the the future of the all-star game for literally as long as I have followed basketball, which is going to you know, 11 years now, every single, every single February, March, whenever the all-star game usually is, usually in February, 
uh, there's discussions about like let's fix the all star game because no one's ever happy with it. And then last year was the one time they introduced the Elam ending for the actual game, and they're like the players played harder than ever. It was the best all star game in like 20 years. And now they're going to, you know, bring that back and it's going to be a shit game because everybody who's there doesn't want to be there and everyone who's there is like, yeah, like I understand that this is, like you said, Lucas, so red hot and I just, I have to go straight back to my fucking room after this, <laughs> like straight after the game. Like, well, why am I even here? It's going to be a bad game and I feel like that's going to damage the goodwill that people have generated, you know, that the NBA generated last year from having like all these superstars, you know, play with the new game format and actually like try. Now I feel like it's going to do a disservice to the, the Elam ending. And who knows where that leaves All-Star Weekend 2022. Mm-hmm. If it's even able to, you know, if, if, if as Sean would call the spicy cough, it's gone by then. <laughs> nasty, nasty. Is that, is that the yeah. one that's going to be in Brisbane? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the one. Or is that the Olympics? Yeah. Um, I know it, it is upsetting because the ELM ending is cool and purely just because Kyle Arrow took one charge down the end of the game. But yeah, if I, I don't see them getting rid of it for the next season, do you? No, but then it goes from being an unmitigated, unqualified, you know, like unqualified success where everyone's like, oh my God, like that was the best one ever. So like, it's going to be now it's going to be one of one. It's going to be like one was really good and one was like really shit. And it's not going to be because the Elam ending is bad, but it's going to be because the NBA has obviously decided to put profit before people. I reckon they should, um for, well, to fix the all-star game, I reckon this year they should, you know, how everyone has to go back to their rooms. They should have like a slumber party ready for whoever, whichever team wins, <laughs> with like popcorn and just shit, things of that nature. But Hell I yeah, feel like to bring some lollies <laughs> to fix the All Star game. I reckon this is just looking from the perspective of the All Star game. I think this is a bad idea. But you just give the team that wins. We they don't do East and West anymore. But give the conference that wins home court in the finals. I always thought that that'd be the way to fix the All Star game. Um, but then it's also like that's just thinking about one game that no one already cares about in the middle of the season. Yeah. Wait, saying so you do you do East and West and then it's like if the East team wins like like you know like the you know the Cavs get home court in the finals. Yeah, whoever represents the East gets home court yeah. in the finals. Well, it'd be a 10, be a cool. 10 game it'd be a 10 game win streak for um uh, 10 game home final streak for the the Western Conference teams over the last <laughs> decade. <laughs> that's that's not a bad idea. Dude, I don't hate that actually. Yeah, but you know who I do hate I, that the, t- the team that gets in, <laughs> yeah, the team yeah, that gets yeah. in from to the finals from the east, and they're like, "Wait, you're telling me because the eighth best player in the conference this year was D'Angelo Russell? I don't get home court." <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome in like one of those SB Nation videos, the unsung hero of the 23-24 finals. D'Angelo Russell <laughs> hit that shot down the stretch, and it gave whatever conference he was playing in at the time home court advantage in the finals. We're, we're watching Bro, that's, the that's pretty, we're watching the last twenty years that. from now. That's pretty rich to say that Delo is going to be an all-star in 23-24. Now, <laughs> <laughs> but we're watching um we're watching the last dance 20 years from now talking about LeBron's like final championship and he gets there and the only reason he had to face this like harsh crowd in the east is because Julius Randle had like a 30-point all-star game. It's <laughs> like, oh my god, who's Julius Randle? Like I mustn't be the biggest basketball fan. I've never heard of like this random dude. Uh Julius Randle's the only yeah. dude, the only dude trying. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to recruit. Um, should we move on to the news of the week, boys? I'd love to. <laughs> yeah, we should. I, th- that segues really well, really well into the the Knicks talk that we had lined up. 
That's funny, bro. You said Canucks. <laughs> um, where's the Canucks talk? Oh my god, there at the top. <laughs> uh, so speaking of recruiting players at the All Star break, Brian Windhorst has said on his podcast, The Hoop Collective of ESPN, that he expects a quote star player to demand a trade to the Knicks in the next twelve months. Um, so he points to New York's better than expected record. Um, they're just above 500 at the moment uh, and they are sitting in the fifth seat, I believe. And they're having obviously a much better season than ever before. And he also says that obviously this team has heaps of young assets, whether good or bad, that they're going to be able to trade. So they've got someone like Emmanuel Quickly, who just no matter what happens has to come off the bench, apparently, according to Tom Kidolo. <laughs> they've got RJ Barrett, which if like if you're a Washington, you're like, oh, we got RJ Barrett. Let's talk ourselves into that. And they have all their own future picks. And they also have the Dallas Mavericks uh, this season and in two seasons. Or did they already use that in 2019 from the Chris Porzingis trade? No, they got it. 21, 23. Okay, awesome. So um, what, what do you guys think about this? Uh, and how much do you love like a Zach Levine or Bradley Beal in New York next to Julius Randle? Well, I, I, I actually, I'm going to pass this, this headline for you and, and tell you what he, what he really means. So he says he expects a star player to demand a trade to the Knicks in the next 12 months, but star player has quotation marks around it. So it's kind of like a you know, star player. So what it actually means is Brian Windhorst expects Victor Oladipo to demand a trade to the Knicks within the next three weeks before the trade deadline. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, why they've got like the quotation marks like star player because like, can you really be a star player if you're shooting 38% from the field? Although Russell Westbrook has been, you know, he's been testing that this season. I feel like the Knicks are just at the start of this process. Like they've had one good half season. They're not. Have like, they not... been good? It's been. Average. They've been good. They're fifth in the East. Now come on, man. You don't judge them against the field. Judge them against the Knicks of the last ten years. They've been good. Yeah, yeah. Watching them play as well, they've been like enjoyable, and they always keep you wanting to watch. Uh, I feel like, um, you know, it's not like with Boston where it's like, bro, just fucking make a move, you fucking nerd. With with the Knicks, it's like they they have time to like just roll with this like core that's really fun to watch. Give them a season, season and a half before you really start. And like, you know, like the window hasn't really, the window to get the star hasn't opened. I don't feel they're still building this, this, this step of their identity, I guess. Yeah. That's, that's a weird take. Cause I, I I don't trust this next team. Like we've seen the first half of the season, right? Lucas, don't mute yourself while you're laughing. I'm having a sip of right water. <laughs> um, it's, it's like so, so teams are shooting unsustainably bad against the Knicks, and they're shooting like one of the I don't have it in front of me, but it's one of like the top five um attempts from three. And it's like if you're gonna take threes, you're generally gonna make them, and that's gonna come around. And I'm really interested to see in the second half. Like I said last week when Dante and I were talking about the all-star snubs, I said Julius Randle should be there. Throughout the week, I've just been thinking about that take, whether I love it or hate it. He has the counting stats, but he's the best offensive player on like the 28th best offense. It's like, how much do you want to reward that guy? Um, And I I think he has a slight danger of being one of those all-stars that looks bad in the second half of the season, especially because Tibbs just loves playing Taj Gibson 20 minutes a night and is just keeps on shortening his roster. And... uh, I, I just I think if they are going to trade for a superstar or a star, like 
do it because I, I don't trust this team as far as I can throw them. Yeah, well, I mean, like, Lucas, to kind of go back to what you were saying before about the window not being open yet, I've got, like, a bit of a devil's advocate take. And here it is. (laughs) (laughs) Tibbs has a three-year lifespan. He wears out his welcome. This is his first year, which means by the end of this season, you're going to be on. (laughs) By the end of this season, the Knicks are going to be on the clock and they're only going to have one more season before it starts to go downhill and Tibbs is out, which means you need to make the absolute most of it and you need to get Oladipo in the building tomorrow (laughs) so that he can help mitigate what is almost certainly going to be, uh, you know, what what um, Sean was alluding to with both Randall and the Knicks, like a bit of a, a depressed second half because Sean, I was actually reading an article today about those numbers. They, they allow the highest percentage in the league of open threes and their opponents are hitting those shots at the 28th highest rate, which is, you know, some would say Nixy, other would say unsustainable, but yeah, I, I mean, like I, last week I apologized publicly to Julius Randall and the Knicks for my comments made in approximately the first week of January, where I, I basically said, you know, good luck. We'll see how far this goes. Uh, but just because I apologize doesn't mean, <clears throat> doesn't mean I'm moving off, moving off this hill, you know, that the 18 and 17, because if, if they lose tomorrow and teams blow them win, they could be 10th because there's five or six teams in the East that are tied in the loss column. And that includes like the, the, the 10 seed Bulls and the five seed Knicks. So I'm skeptical. Could be, could be, but where are they? They're fifth right now. Listen, <laughs> I'm a Wizards fan. It's not that fun, but teams are shooting, I guess you could say, unsustainably high against us. Maybe the Knicks are leaving the right people open because the Wizards are not leaving the right people open. Yeah. Maybe that's their strategy as well. Help off, help off bad shooters because the Wizards is help off good shooters, but then once you've helped, just kind of just see what they do with it. If you were I think that's, in the East, Lucas, would you want to trade for Victor Oladipo or, or Victor Oladipo? Would you would you yeah. like to do that? As the Wizards or as the Knicks? As the Wizards. If you were fifth right now. If there was a way to get Westbrook in the deal, he has been really good recently. <laughs> no Westbrook. But I'm just, no Westbrook. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, far out, man. Oh, ten you get to just, Rui and, and um, the Israeli Prince. We get to keep No, him. that is... Rui and the Israeli Prince Oladipo. The Israeli Holden. No, no, no. Pretend you get to keep them. As in, like, oh, you don't have to give them out. Let's insane. say you can just add him, but give out, like, a pick. Mo Wagner in a second. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would. Mo Wagner but, in a first. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, I'd do that. But I don't feel like... um. But I do, it's, so, it's so different. The idea of Washington and the idea of New York is so different. Washington has, you know, three guys, four guys in the rotation that are either prime or vets and New York has what, Taj. Yeah. Yeah. The team man, the, the man, the man, he owes, he owes, he should name his, uh, his firstborn son Tibbs because he owes Thibodeau that much money for keeping him employed. <laughs> my, uh, my, my Ola Depot suggestions have definitely been extremely tongue in cheek. Um, and because I was so shocked when you said Israeli Prince and Rui, I thought, Sean, I thought you meant that that was what was going to cost to land him. So I went and looked up his numbers. <laughs> He's on the team, man. I know how bad he's shooting. <laughs> Oladipo hasn't shot above 40 
percent from the field. He's actually, I'll rephrase that. Since 2017-18, he's shot above 40% from the field once. That was the season after, and it was 42%. And since then, he hasn't cracked 40. And this year, he's, he's shooting awful from three. He's shooting awful from two. He's shooting 43% on twos. Like, yeah. what? What is, what, is, what is going on? Like, you can literally, you could probably get this guy for a bag of chips at this point. Well, as uh, it's too much for Tito saves his money. Yeah, he definitely could. It's actually funny you bring up Oladipo because he's um in an in an article that might be coming out on the Deep Two vlog very soon. I've actually finished it. I just don't like some of the sentences. But since November of twenty seventeen, <laughs> we'll give you a hand, bro. For from since November of twenty seventeen, he's had uh, twenty injuries and setbacks of various severities. So he is different from the guy that you know that OKC and then first year of Indiana and then also like end of Orlando guy like he's a different physical person since then yeah but but that's that's a big problem because you know he he never has been an elite shooter and his offensive ability and he he averaged you know that first all-star that all-nba year in Indiana he averaged 23 on like good efficiency unreal um and obviously, you know, like averaging like six assists, like playmaking, lead guy responsibilities, like all NBA, you know, defense. If you can't shoot and you use your, you lose your like lateral, lateral agility, like, well, you know, like you're not going to the rim. You can't compensate for it by shooting your way out of it. And then on D, you're not anywhere near as impactful because you can't kind of get around and stick with those buzzy little guards like you made your trademark. Damn, bro. Like, what's going on? <laughs> Where's that leave you? Anthony Simons is the next Victor Oladipo. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. <laughs> so he's, he's going to sing Frank Sinatra as he walks into the dunk contest in an empty gym. Yeah, and then he's going to be most improved in a couple of years' time when he gets traded to another team. And then he's going to have 20 setbacks of various severities. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just wrap up this discussion by saying, if you were the Knicks, would you trade for a star if it takes a couple of picks and some of your young players? No. Depending on who the star is. Like if, the star is, <laughs> if the star is 26 or 27, like if it's Bradley Beal, yes. Oh, well, yeah. If it's... You know, like, again, coming back to the report with the quotation marks on a star player, like, if DeMar DeRozan is available via trade and and then you're like, let's throw the Mavs picks and RJ Barrett at him, I'd obviously say no, but that's saying that you can't put past both the Knicks as an organisation and Tom Thibodeau as a coach because he, he, he wants vets, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I could see him talking himself into someone who's good five years ago and being like, this is our guy. Because uh, more so than any character in the NBA over the last 10 years, he has been the guy that has been into that. Tobacco companies aren't allowed to advertise anywhere in Australia and a number of other countries. Even if you haven't seen Mad Men yet, you understand why. It's obvious. But it wasn't always this way. Tobacco advertising used to flood Australian sport until the late 1980s. Something that was completely normalised then now seems unfathomable today. Australians lose over $1.2 billion annually by gambling on sport. And it may seem harmless to put a multi on if you think you've got an edge. But what's harmful is the growing normalisation of sports gambling and the massive increase in the risk of addiction. 
What's worse is that these companies are raking in your money, throwing it back into advertising and even targeting children, the next generation of gamblers in their eyes. The gambling industry spends millions on advertising every year to make it look exciting and risk-free, often placing their ads in places where they know kids and teenagers will see them the most. Next time you're watching any sport, basketball, footy, tennis, cricket, or anything else, try and see how long you can go without seeing an ad for betting. Now imagine you're a kid watching the game. There's no way to avoid it. A 12-year-old in Australia today has never even seen a professional sports game without gambling advertisements. The answer isn't to ban sports gambling, but there needs to be a change in the way it's advertised. Follow the link in this episode's description or type in endgamblingads.org.au forward slash petition to sign the petition to remove gambling ads from the sports we love and go back to enjoying it without any money on it. Uh, Welcome back. For the people listening to this podcast, you have the luxury of just having to wait 30 seconds during an ad. But we have been through the ringer. Lucas um, got some, he refilled his cornflake bowl. Dante. Special Kate. How many times do I have to say it? (laughs) Dante Dante contemplated Uber Eats, but didn't actually pull the trigger. And I went to the toilet, watched half of a Maddie Matheson video, went and swapped out the fucking porters for a kombucha and then had to renew <laughs> renew the Zoom license, which apparently my PayPal is not working for some reason. So I had to get my credit card and read out the numbers and the, the whole CVC expiry date, the full nine yards, just to finish this podcast for you guys. Um, so- what, were the, what were the numbers? <laughs> Five, two? <laughs> well, we, we, we really have been through the ringer and that is that is a real you know peek behind the kimono for the listeners the uh you know bring, bring, bring you along for the the making of the deep two nba podcasts this the, is the, the length that we go is, to the worst part is that this like i renewed our subscription because i just didn't pick it up last month um and the thing is they don't actually tell you if you've got your subscription for 24 hours. So we've got another 45 minute timer on this, <laughs> on this second half right now. Like I didn't even fix anything. I just fixed it for next week when we it's might. Proactive. Have <laughs> <Super> proactive. <laughs> next piece of news on the list is that the Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks have fired, sorry, the Atlanta Hawks have dismissed Lloyd Pierce as their head coach. And he will be, they, they actually elevate Nate McMillan to interim head coach. Uh, the firing came from the Atlanta Hawks PR and then Adrian Wojnarowski, Adrian Wojnarowski had the elevation by U2. Um, there was a follow-up report that Nate McMillan didn't want to take this job. And <clears throat> I don't know why I'm clearing my throat. I, have, <laughs> I got something to say. I've, was the, no was the report from uh, Nate McMillan's personal publicist? <laughs> No, it was from um, Twitter user 587261. Yeah, it was a follow-up report that Nate Duncan didn't actually want to take the job, but then Lloyd Pierce so graciously convinced him to take the job, Um, which from the follow-up follow-up reports, we now know that Nate, uh, sorry, Lloyd Pierce actually hated the job. And you've all seen the stuff that, that came out afterwards that like everyone hated him. Multiple veteran players went to the ownership and Travis Schlank and said, Hey, let's get rid of this guy. Um, and my favorite tidbit from the, all this follow-up and explosion, or a little explosion was that um, during a board of governors meeting where they invite the coaches, someone was talking about players uh, sort of 
going a bit too wild when it's when it comes to trying to grab fouls and, and flop a little bit when it comes to getting fouls. And Lloyd Pierce was actually one of the biggest proponents for getting rid of the fact that flopping for fouls actually gets you to the free throw line. Funnily enough, he's best player and one of the only reasons why the Hawks are good does that on a consistent basis. Whether you like it or not, it works. It gets the free throw line, he scores points. But I've just gotten too far off the track. Um, what do you guys think about the thing that I so beautifully predicted uh, that Lloyd Pierce would be dismissed as a head coach? Well, it was always going to happen. Like ever since they, you know, Nate McMillan left the paces, you know, left the pace. I don't, I don't think he was fired. I think he just didn't have his contract renewed with the paces last dismissed. season. Oh, he was just, he was dismissed as well. Goodness, you're out. <laughs> Red card. See you later. Um, and then he's installed as a top assistant on Lloyd Pierce's bench. Like you know, we talked about it in the off season. That signaled that if the if the Hawks didn't get off to a really good start, which they haven't. Um, through 36 games, they're 16 and 20, I believe, and they're sitting in 11th in the East, um, that he would be in trouble. And lo and behold, Nate McMillan, who has proven to be a pretty decent coach throughout his NBA career, was saying that Pierce never did, uh, is installed. So he's just interim coach? Is that is that what it is? Nate he's McMillan? interim, yeah. It's not actually the full head coach, which is a bit weird. Uh, is he going to be interim? But don't, you think that, don't, don't you think that if, if they play well and they sneak into like the nine seed and and somehow get into the playoffs through the playing, like, don't you think that this is the type of organization clearly that have, they've said like there's a mandate to make the playoffs, let's interrupt our youthful building movement, which, you know, Sean, you and I talked about this again during the offseason and I was pretty vocal that I thought that was the wrong move, especially with the guys that they brought in and on the contracts they brought them in on. Um, but obviously that's what ownership wants. Don't you think that if 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 McMillan gets them to within sniffing distance of the playoffs, that they'll just be like, yeah, that's it. Good thing. Like we're done. No worries. We've got our new guy, which would seem to be a disservice because if, if this is the if this is the number one guy, a if you think Nate McMillan is the best coach going around, you know, like let's have a chat about that. But also B, like if you if you think Nate McMillan is the guy that's going to take you to the promised land, then why is Nate McMillan becoming your coach halfway through the season? Like why aren't you just? Mm. What do you do in the off season? It's not like no coach has. No, Lloyd Pierce was terrible through his first two seasons. He won. He won 47 games through his first two years. So it's not like no coach who's ever had two awful back-to-back seasons has been fired. It's not that uncommon. But he did also have like not the greatest teams. Mm. Uh, but I think the biggest like the biggest bad thing about Lloyd Pierce's resume is that the fact that he struggled to develop players. Or well, actually two things. He struggled like you, we didn't know anything about Cam Reddish and we still put him down, but it could just be a, a Lloyd Pierce thing. Uh, DeAndre Hunter was terrible in his rookie season. Now he's like evolved as this power forward that he didn't get drafted as a power forward um and there was also so much off the court issues with not only just trey young to lloyd pierce but also john collins to trey young and vice versa hopefully you bring in like a, a an adult into the room and say hey just like shut up man you'll be fine um but yeah it's like i think the real storyline that we're missing out here is that someone's an interim coach and it's not jb bickerstaff like how do you reckon he feels about this <laughs> I feel like um there'll be a lot like while McMillan's coach will will kind of standardize Lloyd Pierce's time in Atlanta as well. We'll find out a lot about you know is the bullfuck to do with him or is it to do with the people there? <laughs> but, but for real, like you know Nate, Nate McMillan is like he he is a good basketball coach. We all know that, and 
I guess, yeah. Yeah, well, what I was going to say is what I've already said. So. Can they can they go four games over 500 for the second half of the season? Because if they do that, they yeah. 500 and they'll make the playoffs. If not, escape the play-in. I had them top seven in the East uh, going into the season, which might seem like a random number. But over at the JVG NBA Tribute Show, me and Michael gave our um, top seven and bottom fours. And we had the, <laughs> actually the exact same for the East. Because we wanted to do playoff locks. We wanted to do seven playoff locks. But... You can't because there's the play in this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're they, just like, ah, fuck it. We'll just still do seven teams. They, they should be top seven. Be. Yeah, no, you, uh, it, it makes sense. They should be a team that escapes the play in. Like they've got Trey Young, who's just going to get better. John Collins, whether whether you want him to return or not, he's still a really good player. They've got mm. Gallo. They've got Rondo. They've got Chris Dunn. They've got all these this young core as well. They should be four games better than five hundred. Yeah. Um. And they weren't. So there you are. Uh. And they had half a season to evaluate it. They actually had two and a half season to evaluate Lloyd Pierce, <laughs> and they decided to do it now. Yeah. There's no. Yeah. There's no. No growth. It sucks though for Pierce because you know Hunter's injured at the moment. Gallo has been mm. bad slash injured. Bogdanovich was bad slash injured, and then Rondo has just been bad. Chris Dunn hasn't played, so like you didn't even really get the benefit of all of the dudes they, they they brought in over the off season. But that being said, like, you know, the all of the stuff coming out that the players hated him and like, you know, that was that was kind of from the top down and you know, it, it sucks, but he'll he'll go find like a a cushy assistant job, mm. you know, someone and maybe one maybe one day he'll usurp his own head coach, you know? And and he go to the go to the number one chair again. That's the dream, isn't it? They're an interesting team because really, if you were to just give me true serum, I, I don't care. You know, like whatever happens in Atlanta, I really don't care. Um, just stop hunting for fouls. That's really my only MO with Atlanta and Trey Young more generally. But it's just like, you know, I, I guess it's news because it happened, but it's not really news, you know? Yeah, yeah. The most disrespected player on the most disrespected franchise. <laughs> <laughs> Give the Hawks some respect. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next piece, which is uh, coming from Tim Bontemps of ESPN, which was a quote from a rival executive saying, quote, that the Celtics will only trade if they think they are going to bury you, unquote. Uh, and then he, he goes on to say in the article, the Celtics haven't done an in-season trade in six years. That was the Isaiah Thomas trade. And only the Spurs have a longer streak. And I think the Spurs trade was like the Sean Elliott trade. So like, go Sean's. Um, <laughs> who, you you sort of touched on this before, Lucas. You said like the, the Celtics need to do something and, and do something now. Uh, should they break that streak of making the trade? And have they missed it with the Miles Turner thing? Well, fun little question that I just thought of. Do you reckon the Spurs or the Celtics will break that streak sooner? Celtics. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think Celtics. Celtics. They got the trade um, player exception. True. Um, well, 23 and under players, not named Jason Tatum. They got Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams, Rob Williams, Aaron, Robert Williams, Aaron Naismith, <laughs> uh, Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters. I mean, Pritchard, I say there's value there. Grant Williams, sort of. Robert Williams, sort of. Carson Edwards, not really. Naismith, kind of. Tremont Waters, kind of. And now they only have their own picks. And this is the end of that massive, like, rebuild slash all of the next pit, Nets picks. And what is it? Like, Peyton Pritchard? Like, what do they have to give now? They, they, it, was, it was like, you know, they've got all these assets. they got to move them for, for, for a piece. You know, you don't want to keep on these assets in case what happened happened. And now what's happened has happened. And it's like, 
maybe that that massive trade package has passed. Yeah. Well, they had the chance to trade for Kawhi Leonard, as we know, and and they were, I mean, the Celtics love saying that they were this close to getting this one thing that would have tipped them over the edge right after it's done because as Jalen Rose puts a hindsight, it's 2020. Um, but like they could have gone and all the- Jalen Rose. <laughs> <laughs> that's, his, that's his famous catchphrase, bro. <laughs> Mama, there goes that man. <laughs> That's that's the wrong dude. That's um, the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> Mark Jackson. They actually look pretty similar, though. Mark Jackson and Jalen Rose. Like, yeah, buzz yeah, cut. I, I can see it. Can they see got it. the buffer. It's like the yeah, Brunswick yeah. fringe buffer fringe. <laughs> is that what, is that what we're calling it? Buzz cut buffer. I I invented the buzz cut, please. <laughs> um, Just like you um, invented hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, you know they say hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> what what I was going to eventually get to with my point is that <laughs> hindsight's twenty twenty. We're looking at what the Celtics have done, and it's like awesome. You've got these two. You've got the the law form of the law firm of Tatum and Brown, and you've got these guys. You look like you're going to be at least a, an Eastern Conference contender for the foreseeable future. And now, what are you going to put around these guys? Um, we need to look at other teams that have done a net like package. So, like the New Orleans Pelicans with all their picks the Oklahoma City Thunder with all their picks and Shea Gilgis Alexander, should we be looking at them and saying, hey, so now you're in the opportunity, you're in, you're in the space that Boston was with all their Boston, with all their Brooklyn picks. And we've just seen, at least today, we've just seen that it's not going to lead to a title. I think we can say that this season, they're not going to win a title. And it's like, where are they getting their their other value? Like, where are they getting the, the next Curry Irving? Because it's like Peyton Pritchard and the Williams, right? Mm. The Williams sisters. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, what can OKC and New Orleans learn from this? And what can they learn from it? Is it trading for Bradley Beal today? Maybe not OKC, but what can they do that Boston did wrong? Because now Boston is sort of getting caught with their pants down and two really good players, but not much else. Uh, I feel like, yeah, it's it's a good learning experience for Presti, who is already such a good, whatever role he is. Because uh, like he's very frugal, but fucking Danny Age is a Tsiguni, which is, means stinge in Greek. He's like a Tsiguni's Tsiguni. And <laughs> yeah, it's just fair warning to be like, all right, well, we've seen, you know, what can happen if, because it was really good for a while. They had a really, and it was a short run of just fleecing other teams, but that's all it's ever going to be if you're going to keep that idea moving forward. Because it's like, all right, well, we've seen what he's done to other teams. Um, so you can only get away with it for so long. But man, I fucking kind of, we're talking about the Thunder now, right? If you want. Oh shit! <laughs> no, 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 just just teams with heaps of assets. Yeah, you can, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm excited to see. I'm so excited to see. They just flip this thing around so quickly, and then like Shea Gilgis is just so he's such a promising player. He's 22, and and like so silky and just, I mean, pretty uh, yeah, pretty unique and interesting piece to build around. What, what's, yeah, what's, I, what I really like about him is that he's making so many like quick decisions and smart decisions, which is something he hasn't done previously as well as he is now. Like he's making reads and yeah, you're passing it to Teo Maladon, but it's like, he's, he's making the right play and he's making plays on the move. Did you see that against, did you get any of uh, Mav's, uh, his team today? Mav's Thunder? <laughs> Mav's his team. <laughs> um, uh, SGA Thunder. Yeah. He had Porzingis. On like, I guess that we can call it a mismatch, but like he had him in the key and he lost his dribble and he up and under Porzingis in the key next to the ring. 
and he finished with his inside hand. And I was like, the fuck is going on? Like I knew I, this is, I didn't think that like uh, maybe in a couple seasons time, but not yet, but yeah, he's sick. <laughs> yeah. He, he is really good. He's kind of like a, kind of like a, um, you know, a, a youthful version of the player that DeMar DeRozan has turned into mm. in that he's like a big wing who is really smooth, has a really nice, like short mid game can finish at the rim, but he's also really good ball handler and you know you, you can kind of play him as almost like a not like a traditional point forward because I think when you think about point forward you think about like you know a four a, a big man um but definitely a guy in like the LeBron Kawhi PG kind of mold of like a bigger wing who can definitely take on like you know primary creation responsibilities and I think the the, the thing with the risk with with this Thunder team is like they they, they've ripped it all down and put a bunch of like random dudes in, but the, the, the dudes that are there currently are not like highly drafted people who are guaranteed to hit like the, the, the ceilings of most of their dudes is probably just quality role player. And some of them won't even get to that. So I just kind of wonder like over the next two years, if you just add like young player after young player after young player and like, you know, SGA is already really good, like already a borderline all-star kind of player. Like, I just think like maybe he's even like a year or two ahead of their timeline or you're just mm. going to like waste his early prime playing on a team where he's passing it out to, you know, Alexei Pokusevsky for a missed three on, on every, on every possession. And yeah, I, I kind of feel like he's too good too soon for, to be like a no brainer part of their rebuild, you know? But uh, twenty two, like it's it's hardly like he's, he's this is it. Like it's like oh, quick, we have to act quick. Like he's only got three more years left. Like he's going to be doing this for the next eight years. But but think about it from the perspective of like, what if he decides he's ahead of schedule as well? Yeah. yeah. And in three years, when all the dudes who they've drafted are still bad or, or you know young, because you know if, if you get the number one pick, you add it, great. Like he's going to be like sick. I can't wait to play with this guy, but. They got 15 picks, you know, 10 of them are going to be outside the top eight. So they're going to be dudes again whose ceiling is probably like a quality role player. So they're probably still going to be bad in three years. And if SGA is still playing at this level or better in three years and he's looking around being like, damn, do I really want to like wait another two years for all these young players to maybe develop? Or does he then start to say like, you know, like we've seen so many players do in the last 10 years when they hit that 25, 26 after six or seven years in the NBA, like you look around, you're like, oh, well, actually, I could rather probably just made a playoffs, you know. But he's he's 22 years old. Next season will be his last season on his rookie deal. Let's say he extends for four years after that in whatever form. I'm sure it's the max. He's, yeah, definitely max. He has, he has five more years on this team under team control. And who knows what's going to happen in five years? Like so much can happen. And if mm-hmm. let's say they draft really, really highly this year, which looking less and less likely because they keep winning games but like yeah. you hope that the, the team around them will be good enough but just before we move on to the last piece of news i want to harp back to the question i asked is that we're looking at well no this this is good lucas we're looking at okc and we're saying look shay's really good he's ahead of schedule they've got all these picks coming in it's looking brilliant like how can boston go wrong right as in boston as in with tatum and brown so what can okc learn from what we're looking at boston right now and to do with their picks, is it too like just like oh maybe Brandon Ingram's available like three years from now? Is it like just fucking throw a couple of picks at him 
or like what do you do like do you trade up like you do the markel faults for trade there like in reverse do you trade up just try and get um Cade cunningham like what's what's the move here so that you avoid just having two dudes then peyton pritchard and an aging kemba walker well, I think that the I think that the the Boston didn't go wrong with the rebuild. Boston went wrong once they became a contending team, because up to up to a point they were doing really really well. Like you got Brown, you got Tatum, and part of that is definitely drafting at the top of the like you know top of the draft, like um, being at the very top to get the very best players. But also they drafted and developed those guys really, really well. Another team might not have drafted them or not developed them as well. But I think the two big mistakes they made. And the first one we'll call it a mistake because that's that's how it looks at the moment. But one is, you know, is shipping out Rosier for Kemba and bringing Kemba in only for his body to kind of fall apart, which means you've taken up, you've sent out a useful player. I know we've, you know, we've ripped on Rosier a lot, but he was, you know, genuinely good role player, not on $20 million a year in Charlotte, but, you know, in Boston, he was good. You sent out that asset, you bring in another asset that's only going to depreciate and depreciates really quickly. And you attach, you know, twenty five or thirty million dollars in, in salary. And then the other thing that they did was not address the the center position, which I I feel mm. like literally probably you know probably go back and listen to the first episode of, of this podcast. And you know, Sean, you and I were talking about who's going to play center for the Boston Celtics in you know the end of the season, the postseason, and they just haven't addressed it in any meaningful way. Their their band aid was Tristan Thompson, who's been bad, who's been worse than the dudes who they brought him in to replace. Um, so now you're leaking at the five and the one. Like, everything in between, that's fine. I think they've drafted well. Like, Pritchard looks good. Brant Williams is, like, a useful player. Uh, you know, they, they've filled in with some, like, nifty signings here and here and there. But I think the number one thing was that they took their big swing on Kemba and it didn't work or hasn't worked so far because he hasn't been able to remain healthy and that really hamstrings you and then of course you know talk about addressing the five with Gordon Hayward in the offseason having the ability to bring Miles Turner in and choosing not to um looks obviously quite bad in retrospect but I think in terms of the actual rebuild part of it what they did with the picks I think they did really well and I think that someone like OKC would form, you know it, it, the model that Boston set out is get good picks and draft well, which, you know, Sam Presti, Lucas, you alluded to it before, whatever his title is, he's, he's bloody good at it, um, <laughs> at the drafting part of it anyway, uh, as we saw at the, the end of the last decade. So, I don't know, I kind of feel like Boston set out a good roadmap, just that their issue was was that, that next step, taking that big swing that just, you know, hasn't worked out. I think that, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. And like fucking Kemba, no one predicted this, you know, like everyone would have thought at least Kemba would give you 20 a night, regardless of, you know, if he had a couple of setbacks, he had a couple of injuries, whatever the worst case scenario was. But this is like pretty awkward to watch. It's kind of sad. Uh, And they look so much thinner at the center when they don't have more firepower coming from their wings and guards. I thought, um, I don't know if this is, if there's any possibility that this makes sense for the Raptors, but, Kemba for Lowry is really sexy to me. And like a Lowry, Smart, Brown, Tatum, and then whichever one of those six, six centers they want to put in. I, I don't mind that. I don't, I don't love it. I don't love it, you know, still at the center position. But like you get your two silver, like wings scorers in Brown and Tatum. And then Lowry, yeah, Brown, Tatum. And then Lowry every now 
and again pops out with his fucking fat booty for like 22 really crucial points and eight massive rebounds. And then you just have Clamp God and then every now and again, Steph Curry's brother, Marcus Curry at the two. And that's like a really competitive team. And I've talked about this with Marco, um, but like they're not, they, you wouldn't put them as like the funnest, you know, best team, but they would win a lot of their matchups just because of their makeup. Like, especially that backcourt. Kemba and Smart, I mean, Larry and Smart, you wouldn't put in the top five, probably, maybe they're, they're fifth, but they would probably win all the matchups against the, the backcourts ahead of them. Yeah. Um, and then on the, oh, sorry, but on the OKC side, yeah, as we were talking about all that, I think, I, 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 I see what you're saying about like the, you know, should they make a move? Uh, and also to go back to the Knicks before, um, I still think you got to let like this little part of the process play out, but maybe you do get like a mid twenties guy, mid 20 year old guy uh, to go alongside SGA because then if SGA has another guy on his level, then that's just, that helps him. That helps the rest of the team. That helps all the role players heaps a hell of a lot. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with both of you. Uh, and I just think it's going to be interesting when all these rebuilding teams, when it comes to the time to, you know, you can't draft all five positions when it comes to the time to sign your Daniel Tyson, your Kemba Walker, you just need to nail it. And we're not going to know whether OKC or who's the other team I mentioned, uh, New Orleans, New Orleans, we're, we don't know whether they're going to do it right uh, until it's too late, to be honest. Uh, so we'll have to wait and find out. Let's move on to the final piece of news because uh, that's a pretty good segue to the New Orleans side of things. Uh, this will be the last bit for today. Coming from that Jake is a good segue. Oh, <laughs> Bleacher Report <laughs> saying that JJ Redick and Eric Bledsoe are, quote, very much available, unquote, in trade talks. Uh, we've pretty much already known this, but Lucas, take it from here. No fucking shit, Eric Bledsoe's in trade talks. <laughs> Have you seen him play? Uh, the JJ Redick one, the JJ Redick one, I kind of get is a bit more of like a hey, does a you know contending team need a shooter? But the Eric Bledsoe one, it's like, yeah, of course, Eric Bledsoe's on the block. Yeah, it's and who's going to buy into Eric Bledsoe? But I think with JJ Redick, like if if you really want a shooter, like just just sign one, like. How much better is JJ Reddick going to be than recalling Justinian Jessup from the Brisbane um, NBL team, of who his rights are currently owned by the Golden State Warriors? Like, you can get shooters everywhere, uh, and like obviously JJ is a much better shooter than everyone, but not this year, and he's clearly bad on defense. So if you're going to get JJ Reddick for that point, it doesn't matter. You just, do you want to pay him ten million dollars, or do you just want to like take your shot at Isaiah Joe on Philly right now and just see how he's going? Was it killing you that we hadn't mentioned the Warriors yet? Yeah, you know, I have to mention it in every <laughs> podcast because we skipped the last piece of news and I was going to add my little point that, yes, the uh, Golden State Warriors are in Minnesota's uh, 2021 first-round draft pick. Uh, if it well, maybe the, maybe the Bucks should go after Brogdon. Making <laughs> <laughs> fun of us. <laughs> Dude over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it'd be a good yeah. fit like in all honesty would bro <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dante, uh, what do you reckon about eric bledsoe getting traded to anywhere i mean who wants him yeah. who wants him you know like he, he he's been okay he's still a good point of attack defender and the, the you know not i was gonna say the greatest you know commodity not the greatest commodity but a valuable commodity is point guards who can actually defend point guards. And 
he can still do that. He's still a really good defender of, of, of little dudes. You could comfortably roll into a matchup with, you know, Damian Lillard or Steph Curry and say, yeah, like, we're fine. Like, that actor is still going to 25, but we're just going to make him work for it. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be hard. Mm. But on the other end of the court where it's just like, you know, damn, I, I, I feel like there's, there's never been more of a time where if you're not a good shooter, like let alone an average shooter, which Bledsoe's not, um, you just you just become like a, a handicap. This is a dude who throughout his career had kind of been like a 16 and 6 guy, steady steady point guard running the offense. And now it's just like, things have figured out, we'll just go under every single screen. And if you don't have a good enough pull-up game to make us, uh, you know, to make us regret that, which he doesn't, like you're, you're an offensive liability. Um, and I think, you know, bringing, bringing him in, there's not many teams that need point guards. Um, there's not many teams that need point guards that can't shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Would you, let's just ignore the money. I don't know if this works. Um, I don't know if this works this season, but think about it from a long-term perspective. Would you do Eric Bledsoe for Kemba Walker? I don't mind it. I don't love it for the Pelicans though. Boston gets off of Kemba's money. Um, that's part of the the mm. value going back, and they get a defender. And the Pelicans get a guy who can handle the ball, which <laughs> they've got Brendan Ingram mm. and a bunch of young guards behind him. So maybe Boston has to throw in an asset there, and then they probably don't want to be seen. Just the optics of throwing in an asset to get Eric yeah. Bledsoe probably aren't great. Oh, or Redick and Bledsoe. Yeah, then you probably have to throw. Tristan. I feel like it caps. I feel like it. Dante's gone. <laughs> Just keep going, man. <laughs> um, I feel like it caps uh, the Pelicans' rebuild sort of. It puts a bit of a limit on um, what they can do moving forward uh, with their, you know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that'd be a bad move. With everything that we've talked about in, in this episode so far, relating back to like what a, is it too late for Boston? Should OKC make a move? Should whatever, whatever make a move? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think this would be a, a, it'd be more of a speed bump than anything else. I don't think it'd really help them long term. Yeah. But I like it from Boston's side. Dante, do you want to add to what Lucas just said? <laughs> Dante, apparently so, I look like you. So rude. <laughs> look like who, who? who said that? Uh Gabby. Um Gabby who? The only Gabby person I look like said- is you. Wow. I've I've never if I look like you I'd be I'd be flattered. Thanks oh my god, Dante! <laughs> no, but I've never thought that either. But we were both laughing at the same time, and our screens are next to each other on the Zoom, and I was like, "Fuck!" Oh, I kind of look like Dante. <laughs> Sean, what do you think? Do we look like each other? Uh, I don't. I don't not. see it personally. <laughs> not really. Not at all, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I want, my, I want my Lucas, I want my trucks to look like yours. <laughs> <laughs> Your what? Your what? Traps. Wait, traps. let me flex them. It's these ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, all right. Well, that seems like the end of the episode. Um, should we end on a question I wanted to ask, which is who is the best rookie French point guard? Is it Killian Hayes or Teo Melodon? <laughs> it seems like a loaded question. How fucking bad is that? <laughs> uh, both wrong. It's Pape Sai. 
<laughs> Pape Sy. Who's... Let me get him up. P A P E S Y. Uh, first name Pape, last name Sy. He was one of those classic fucking, uh, you know, Josh Childress, no, Sean Livingston builds. Played three games in 2011 for the Hawks, funnily enough. Um, mm. Didn't make a three in his time, in his three games. But yeah, six, seven point guard who couldn't shoot. But yeah, a bit Tony Roten. Um, you know, if he was on the ringers draft right, he'd have shades of Tony Roten. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's the answer to your question. <laughs> I'm looking at this dude's basketball reference. Career averages of 2.3, 1, and 0.7. Yeah, that means he got two total assists in his career. <laughs> <laughs> two assists in 21 this. minutes of point guarding. Oh. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let me pull up his claim in the glass. <laughs> <laughs> he predates it, man. Don't worry. <laughs> don't waste the awkward two logins that are just for some reason hard to get in. Do you get that? Nah. No, no you don't. Like it's so it. slow as well. Yeah, hey? <laughs> so, uh, is, that, is that, do people talk about that often? Am I, have I just done no, a move? No, 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 no. This, this is groundbreaking. No one's ever talked about this. It's, it's, <laughs> no, 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 it's not a good website, man. Um, Despite being a good website. Yeah, yeah. And it's like my, well, the RMIT fucking database is completely oh, man, that's fucked a bit right niche, now. mate. Let's just think of their list. What's RMIT? <laughs> Bloody call it RM because there's no IT, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Preach. Louder for the people in the back. Is there another <laughs> layer to that joke? Because it's just like private school boys wearing RM Williams. Uh, I, I try. I've tried. Don't worry, Sean. I've thought about it. Awesome. But also, there's not enough private school boys that go to RMIT to, you know, layer. Mm. Yeah, I didn't even think that there was a private school boy slant there. I just thought it was that the IT is very poor, so you remove it from the name. Dreadful. Truly dreadful. Wouldn't know. (laughs) Well, we fizzled out nicely. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like a good enough place to leave it. Yeah, thanks for the chat. It's coming to the ground. Yeah, we did. How long did that go on for? Like over an hour and a half. Wow. Oh, wow. But we had some half time and uh, we had half time. Yeah. The list is serial breaks. Poor IT. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, poor sad loser has to edit this. Dante, so I'll just send you the file afterwards. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, sounds good. No worries. All right. Thanks, lads. Uh, Lucas, do you want to sign us off? Yeah, uh, well, episode 97, shout out to all my 97 babies, of which I am one. We've made it. We're going to turn 24 this year. Is anyone else fucking terrified about that? Okay, catch you next time.